Yeah. Cool. Good morning, especially to those who are visiting this morning, if I haven't already said that. Uh, of course, to all the mums again, and uh, we're going to get into the word for today. So welcome to uh, those who are watching online as well, who haven't been able to make it here this morning. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. It's Mother's Day, so I want us to, of course, celebrate women. And uh, I know not all ladies and uh, mothers um, in the room or, or um, listening to this later, but um, some may have hoped to be mothers, some may not be able to, but I think that it's appropriate that we celebrate God's gift to humanity in mothers, sisters, wives, daughters, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, etc. And I want to do that by looking at the women in Mark's gospel. Seeing as we're studying uh, the gospel of Mark this year, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible, uh, I want to look at uh, women in Mark's gospel and how Jesus and Mark, writing about Jesus, point to women as dedicated God-honoring, model disciples of Jesus, because that's what he does. Um, and, and I want to do that so that we too can look at uh, our mums and wives and sisters and, and, and grandmothers and daughters and celebrate uh, and honour where they point us to Jesus as well. Um, now, first, let me state the blindingly obvious. I am not a woman. I never have been, and I never intend to be one day. So I cannot say anything about how a woman or a mother is wired and from personal experience. But, uh, and, I, and I saw this joke recently, which I considered a warning. It went like this, something like this. What's the shortest book in the world? The book entitled, What Men Know About Women. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, going to be careful not to pretend to speak from any sort of experience this morning, but I really believe that some of the qualities of the women who knew Jesus or who came across Jesus in his time on earth. Many of them were mothers. And, and the qualities that they had are true, that those qualities are true of many of the women in our lives, uh, even in this room, and something to be really grateful for. It's something to celebrate, something to point us to the heart of God most of all. Uh, there, I think, is a, an easily misunderstood brilliance and genius of God in God's design of creating and designing human beings as male and female and the way that God has made us to complement one another, to make each other better in, in a way that just one gender, if there was just one gender on the earth, the way that there could not be that beautiful uh, bringing out the best in one another. I, um, I heard someone say recently, that if a group of men are in a room and a woman walks in, then all of a sudden the best is brought out of that group of men. Um, maybe one of you ladies could test this theory at Billabong Blokes on Wednesday the 29th of May at 7pm in the space. Uh, just walk in and uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll be able to tell them what their kryptonite is. That's the theme of the next Billabong Blokes. Uh, so what did Jesus and Mark who talks about who writes about Jesus celebrate and honor in women that's uh, that's what we're going to look at today so let me pray uh, for help and uh, then we'll get into the scriptures for today father thank you so much for this morning and uh, the chance that we just have to to uh, honor the ladies in the room and to look to you father god as the one who has created all of us in your image 
And uh, God, we want to draw closer to your heart this morning. We want to be better followers of Jesus, more faithful followers, more wholehearted followers of Jesus, people who look more and more like Jesus who came to serve and not to be served. And so, Father, we, we ask that as we open your word this morning, uh, most of all, that you would just open our heart and our mind to receive whatever you would have to give us this morning. And uh, we just commit ourselves to you. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices to you that we would honour your name and glorify who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got uh, there's three, three themes, three things that I see um, in the Women in Mark's Gospel which I want to highlight today. The first one, one primary theme, is a, is a servant heart. The, uh, the women, uh, the first woman and, the, and mother that we meet is uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And Peter's mother-in-law is, uh, is, is sick with a fever. This is right back in Mark chapter 1. We covered it earlier in the year. And we read, Jesus went to her bedside, took her by the hand and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. We also read uh, in another scene that after Jesus died, we see women who are taking up this responsibility to embalm Jesus' body, where it says, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went uh, out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Now, this role in particular, as well as many of the other roles of, of, of serving and hospitality and loving on others, not a particularly fun job, especially embalming the body of someone who's been dead for over 36 hours, and yet uh, these ladies are willing to do it. A servant heart is not only central to Mark's message about who Jesus is and about what kind of saviour, what kind of messiah he came to be to bring salvation. A servant heart is actually central to God's plan for the redemption of all humanity. It's central to God himself and what he's doing. The way of the cross is, is, not, is, is paradoxically not a weak thing but a powerful thing in God's economy. In those days... And it's not too dissimilar to some cultures these days, although things are changing. But in those days, it was, it was the role of women to serve in ordinary ways. Unless it was a richer household where there were servants who were paid, you had cook, cooking and waiting on tables and minding children, that was the women's role. But this is what I love about what, what Jesus' heart is. He doesn't just go, yeah, 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 that's the way the culture works, women serve. What he does is he honours that, and he calls others to join in that work of serving. Note in Mark chapter 9, this is in between the two bits we've just read, Jesus sat down, he called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. Now let me ask you a question. Who were the 12 disciples? Yes. Was there any ladies in that group? No. They were all men. And this was an instruction, instruction directed specifically at those who didn't culturally have to do this. What Jesus does is he honours the role that women traditionally have and he says, men, step up. This is for all of you. We read this straight after. He says, then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, 
Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. Now, we kind of over-spiritualize this sometimes and kind of go, oh, yeah, we should welcome a little child. No, it's basically, fellas, what you think is a woman's work is actually the heart of God and the way of the kingdom of God. That's what it is. And when I think about what I'm grateful for in, in my wife, who's a mum of two now, in my mum, who's a mum of three, what I admire and respect more and more is the willingness to serve in, in sometimes the most mundane and unglorious of ways. Uh, and you probably feel the same about uh, a mum or a lady that you know. I sometimes joke, uh, even from the front here, about changing nappies and how un- unholy and pain-inducing they are. And, and that kind of thing. But really, that's just the tip of the iceberg for so, uh, for so many. It's the selfless, thankless care for their kids that is truly, actually not just the role of a mum, but the imprint of God upon the life of a mum and a woman that Jesus elevates. He elevates it and he says, this is for all. This is not just a traditional role or something like that. And I, and I would confess, as many of you might that if I'm not careful, I can tend to think, well, I'm not wired that way. Or I'm just not, I just don't have that role. That, that my wife has a more natural motherly ability and a natural ability to serve. And, and, but Jesus does not give us guys that excuse, does he? He elevates it. He flips it around and he says, this is the way of the kingdom of God. And I think that the way Mark includes details like, and she cooked them a meal. You didn't have to include that in the, the word of God. <laughs> and she cooked them a meal. It can increase, that kind of thing can increase in us a gratefulness for the servant heart of mums and mothers-in-law as well. It was Peter's mother-in-law in this, in this uh, passage. So I think that's something to celebrate and honour in our mums today, right? <laughs> right? Yes. And the ladies can agree as well. You don't have to be, be too humble. Uh, here's another example of, of women showing us model discipleship. We're really talking about what is the life of a disciple here. Here's another example of women showing us model discipleship in Mark's gospel. As Jesus dies on the cross, all the fellows have run away, and we read this. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. They uh, had been followers of Jesus and had cared for, him, cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had, come, uh, who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. What these women were was steadfast. Now, if, if you're not super familiar with that word, or maybe in your culture... Faithful, uh, have longevity, stick with it, keep going, steadfast. They had stuck with Jesus for the long haul. Now, when it mentions Galilee in the passage, that's not the latter part of his ministry. That's the very beginning. That's where he started out. And now they're here at the very end, all the way through. And they felt it was so important to serve and to honour Jesus. And so they, even at the cross, are risking this persecution that would come with identifying with Jesus, 
who now to others is a criminal hanging on a Roman execution state. They're risking persecution when all the others have, have run away, all the men have bailed, so that they, the women could see where he was buried to honour him to embalm his body later. And I think that this steadfastness is another thing that so often a God, is a God-pleasing quality in, uh, in our women and especially mothers. Again, I want to I think about my, my wife, Karen, and how in the midst of many extreme emotions and behaviours of a toddler mixed with the tiredness and general disorientation caused by a newborn, and so many of you know exactly what this is like, that Karen has this steadfastness that she just keeps going. And so many of you mums, you just keep going and keep going and keep going. Stick with it. I, on the other hand, really like to hide in a corner. Like every day, sometimes. <laughs> that, that it's sometimes too hard. Oh, just, this, is, this, is, this is just... And yet, so much of the time, the quality, the beautiful quality from the heart of God in a mother is this willingness to just keep going. No matter how challenging or mundane the task, when you think about your mum for a second, if you have uh, if you have mum or st- or, or no, uh, remember your mum, or a mum you know maybe, or a lady you know. Only uh, and, and just think about the the willingness to keep going, the steadfastness, the faithfulness, the ongoing uh, longevity that they have. For me, I think it was only when I um, was probably late. Young adulthood, late twenty, mid mid to late twenties, that I really think I started to uh, look back and think about and recognise the thousands and thousands of hours of commitment to raise me and teach me, pray for me, help me, put up with me of my you know, that my mum had, and uh, that quality of being steadfast and consistent and faithful, um, that is absolutely at the heart of discipleship. Uh, some of you may know of Eugene Peterson. He translated the Bible into the message translation, sort of a, a contemporary interpretation of the Bible. And uh, Eugene Peterson, he talks about discipleship. When I say discipleship, I just mean following Jesus. He talks about it in our instant society as this, long obedience in the same direction. Have you ever heard that before? Long obedience in the same direction. Why is that so important? Why is that so important, especially today? Well, because it is an instant society that we live in. You can have whatever you want almost instantly. Food, products, information, a relationship. You just order it, Google it, Instagram it, or swipe right for it. That's the kind of world that we live in today. It's, it, everything is, there's no value given to things because it's so instant. Even relationships. And it's devastating. And yet as everything becomes so instant, our ability to remain faithful to something or our ability to remain faithful to someone long-term, for the long haul, we, we don't tend to get that and grasp that and stay true to that. We don't experience what longevity and consistency and faithfulness brings. But maybe if we were to look to the steadfastness of a mother as a model for how to live and love like Jesus. Long obedience in the same direction. Not thrown off course by inconvenient circumstances. 
Maybe if we look to our mums as a model, then we'd experience a deeper relationship with God and with his church. Steadfastness. And I think this is something for us to celebrate and honour in our mums. That's two things. And then the third is this. This is another scene where Jesus honours the heart of a particular woman. In Mark 14.3 we read, While Jesus was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume uh, made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. And you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. And she has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. Anointing was like, it was a symbol of worship. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And what this is, is a dramatic, passionate act of worship and love towards Jesus. And we're going to cover that passage later in the year when we get to it. But in essence, it's about wholehearted devotion. She gave her absolute all. Nothing reserved from her affection towards Jesus. Have you ever met a woman who just really throws their whole being into something that they believe in or into someone that they believe in? Have you met someone like that? Mums, I think, are again a, a great example. And I, I, I laugh when um, some of you may have, have experienced this with your own wives or, or mums before. I laugh when Karen... Finally gets a break from, and I've passed all this stuff with her, by the way, before including her in my sermon three times. Uh, she finally gets a break from uh, wrangling Micah and feeding Josiah. And what does she do? <laughs> she looks at videos and photos of them on her phone and goes, oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> I'm going, don't you want to sleep or do something else? No, 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 it's, it's just the, it's this wholehearted love that's just overwhelmingly poured out onto her kids. Aside from, from mums, we have some amazing women leaders in our world and in the church who just have this unprecedented, almost uh, wholehearted passion. I'm thinking, I think of people like Christine Kane, who started the A21 campaign against modern slavery. Uh, Melissa Lipset is uh, originally from New Life Uniting Church on the Gold Coast. She's now the acting CEO of Bible Society, doing amazing work. Personally, I think of my pastor from when I was a teenager, who was a lady who encouraged me to get into ministry. She just had this drive and this passion for those that she served. And I'm sure if you were to think about it, you could think of somebody similar. And clearly this is not just a wholehearted devotion to something. It's not just a female thing. I'm not saying that. But I reckon that we can all think of women like this one who we just read about, who, lo- who we just read about, who love wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And the special thing about this woman in Mark chapter 14 that we just read is that 
not that she had just a wholehearted devotion to something, but a wholehearted devotion that was towards Jesus. And that's why her story was told today. She put together 110% devotion and it being towards Jesus. We can be 110% devoted to anything, but to no avail. She gave everything in gratitude to the one who had given everything to her. The one who would give his life for us. And there's many other women in Mark's gospel who, who I don't have time to cover today who have the tenacity and this tenacity and faith, like the women with a blood issue who breaks through all the cultural expectations to touch Jesus, having faith in him for her healing. There's the unencumbered generosity of a widow who had virtually nothing but gave it away anyway. Uh, but I want to finish with a story, not of a woman who we meet in Mark's Gospel or even in the Bible, but one from his, a woman from history who absolutely brought together these three things that I've highlighted today, a servant heart, a steadfastness, and a wholeheartedness. Uh, her name was Susanna Wesley. Anyone heard of her? She's, uh, she's been called the mother of Methodism. Uh, she was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, a preacher and a hymn writer who are part of the reason we're here today as being part of the Methodist tradition. And uh, some of you may, may know about Susanna Wesley as the mother who was really busy raising lots of kids so she would put an apron over her head so that the kids knew that she was praying. Anyone heard that before? Okay, that, that's the story of Susanna Wesley. But here is the fuller story. Is that, is that all there really was to her? Well, there's a fuller story of who Susanna really was and why God used her so powerfully to literally impact the world. Here's the full story. She married a pastor and, could, and she could not get along with him well at all. They disagreed on everything from money to politics. They had 19 children Nine of them died in infancy. She buried nine of her kids when they were small. Her husband often left her to raise the children alone for long periods of time. One of their children was crippled. Another couldn't talk until he was nearly six years old. She herself was desperately sick most of her life. There was often no money for food. She was plagued by debt. Her husband was once thrown into the debtor's prison because their debt was so high, which doubled their problems. Twice the homes they lived in were burned to the ground. There's a story where John Wesley was actually rescued during one of those fires. So they lost everything on two occasions. And it was even assumed that church members did it because they hated their, her husband's preaching so much. I, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, someone slit their cow's udders so they couldn't have any milk, and someone killed their dog and burned their flax field. And when she was young, Susanna said to the Lord that for every hour she spent on leisure and entertainment, she would give to him in prayer and the word. She would give to God in prayer and the word every hour. Taking care of the house, raising so many kids, made this commitment nearly impossible to fulfill. She had no time for entertainment, and the life of long hours of prayer seemed like just a fantasy. She worked for gardens, she milked the cows, she homeschooled, homeschooled all the children, managed her entire household. By the way, she taught all of her children Latin and Greek. So she had to make a deal with God. She said that she could only give him two hours a day in prayer and worship, only two hours. And how she did that 
was that she said to her children, and here's a bit of a story we know, when the apron is over my head in the kitchen, leave me alone. I'm talking with God. What, what a vision. In the middle of a house where people are dying in infancy, it's being burned to the ground and they're slashing others. She, she just says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wholehearted, steadfast, serving God and her kids. And she just puts an apron over her head. She removes her shoes and says, this will be holy ground. And she had no idea that she would raise two of the greatest revivalists in all of British history from under an apron. John Wesley, uh, one of her kids, went on to basically facilitate and save England from a revolution similar to that of the French Revolution. During his lifetime, he preached to almost a million people live. When he was 70, he was still able to preach to crowds of over 30,000 people without a microphone. And his brother Charles wrote over 9,000 hymns, many of which uh, churches around the world still sing to this day. And Wesley was asked, who has had the most influence in your life spiritually? And his reply was, my mother. Wholehearted, steadfast, servant-hearted devotion to God and, and God alone that flows out of this, out of which flows this service to others. And when we see even a glimpse of that, even a glimpse of that in, in the mothers and the women around us, we want to honour that, we want to celebrate that and encourage that in all of us as well. 100% devoted to Jesus, willing to stay the course and not assuming power and privilege if we have it, but committing ourselves to a life of service. Now, I said I wanted to finish on that story, but I do, I lied, I do want to just add one last story about some women in the Gospel of Mark. And it's this. We read it on Easter Sunday, actually. It says, when they, this is the last chapter of Mark, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, uh, white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And so the final example of women in Mark's gospel is that they failed. Now before you think I'm just about to negate the whole of the rest of my sermon today, let's remember that the men have already failed. They already ran away a few days ago. But I, I felt that we needed to include this because it just highlights that the human experience, as Aaron already reminded us in the kids' talk earlier, the human experience is one of not always getting it right. I don't think I've ever met a mum who doesn't feel like she's got things wrong at some point. My own mum said, oh, I don't know, could have done a better job. I know Karen feels like it sometimes too, I'm sure. I, I, I think pretty much every mum feels this way, that wish she'd done things differently. And the point of Mark's gospel at the very end is that, you know what? We will get it wrong. But there's a second chance. 
that failure is never the end of the story and that God's grace is always sufficient. I think it's important, so important to finish on this note because you may hear the story of Susanna Wesley, superwoman, and, and, and the women who are faithful to Jesus at the end, or so we thought, and, and sort of go, I'm not like that. I feel like a failure. I don't feel like I got it right. And I'm betting so did Susanna Wesley. I'm betting she felt like a failure sometimes too. And the women who were faithful to Jesus until the end, they're at the end with Jesus on the cross, probably feeling, we've failed you. But what they did was held on to a second chance, an opportunity to receive God's grace, to receive God's mercy. And if there's anything that I think we ought to honour and celebrate in our mums and women in our lives today and to take hold of ourselves is that they and we receive the grace of God to keep going. Embrace the mercy of God for a second chance that says you're forgiven, get back up, keep going, that we reclaim a wholehearted, steadfast life of service to God because that's made possible by God's grace. And every single one of us will get it wrong almost every day. The good news is not that we got it right, but that Jesus helps us in our weakness. And so today as we finish, I just pray that the grace of God for a second chance, whether that just be in mothering or fathering or following Jesus as a Christian, or whether that be that you feel you've never had a relationship with God before and that separation, the gap needs to be closed by the grace of God coming into your life and showing you, you are worthy to be my child. That is the gospel that God says, you know what, we're not going to get this right on our own, but Jesus' righteousness is exchanged with your sin and your failure so that you can have a relationship with the Father again. So whether that be as Christians, as mothers, as fathers, as children, or as those who are human beings trying to work out what is the answer to this life. How do we find fulfillment and meaning and joy through a relationship with the one who created us? It is the grace of God. It's the second chance of God. It's the mercy of God. So I just want to pray this morning that we would receive that, especially our mums who might sometimes feel, you know what, this, uh, don't, don't feel like superwoman, but that we would receive God's grace for our transformation to be brought back into the loving arms of our Father. God, thank you so much for the reminder that uh, despite the fact that we want to serve you wholeheartedly, we want to love you with this steadfast, faithful love, and that we want to take the position of a servant because you said that is the way of the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you that even though that is our heart, that is our desire, we want to be like that and that we can see that in those around us. Lord, we thank you that we, whilst we get it wrong, you have grace enough for a second chance. You have grace enough to bring us back into the arms of our loving Father that we may pick ourselves up or rather that you would pick us up and help us to keep going. Lord, thank you that ultimately at the end of this life, it will not matter how many times we've failed, how many times we've got it right or wrong, 
but your grace will bring us into the arms of the Father that we may have eternal life with you. And so, Father, I pray that for those in the room who have accepted that grace but somehow let it slip away a little bit from our lives, that you would pour out your grace upon us once again this morning. For those who have never accepted that grace, Lord, and have felt separated from God all their lives, but you are drawing them to your heart, I pray that you would pour your grace upon them as well as they turn to you in repentance. Thank you so much for those around us who model to us the life of a disciple of Jesus and the heart of God. And Lord, we pray that you would encourage them this morning, especially our mums, spiritual mums, and Lord, those in us who have, who have been an example to us. We thank you for those examples. And Lord, we pray for encouragement by your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you just take a moment or two. I know I've just very quickly shared about the grace of God at the end there. So I just want us to take just a minute to sit with that, to reflect on that, and to let the grace of God just sink into your mind and heart this morning. And then we'll close.